Jeff and I are privileged to be with you this morning, and we are very grateful for your kind invitation. From time to time, we see photos from Ben Keel on Facebook, and these photos always bring back very precious memories of very precious people and very precious times together. We praise the Lord for uh, all that he is doing in and through you as a church family. You have been and continue to be very faithful to the Lord, and we very sincerely thank you for how you so lovingly ministered to us and with us during our 20 years of life and ministry together. We uh, humbly and gratefully treasure you and our years with you. Let's pray together, please. Our Father, we thank you so very much for the privilege of being here together this morning, and it is a privilege. May we never take for granted, may we never take lightly the privilege and opportunity we have as your people to gather together and to worship you. Thank you for how the praise team has brought us before your presence this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have of opening your word, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us. I give myself to you, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit would have free course in and through me and in and through each one of our lives this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The truths that we will be considering together this morning are gleaned from the writings of Drs. Ron Hutchcraft, uh, John MacArthur, and David Jeremiah, as well as my own personal study of the Bible, the Word of God. It is my prayer that we will all be blessed and challenged and transformed as we carefully and prayerfully consider together foundational biblical principles for all Christ followers as we find them in the seven verses we're going to read at this time. Please follow along in your Bibles or on your devices as I read from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody for, to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ." Foundational biblical principle number one is set forth in verses 15 and 16, which I'd like to read once again. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Foundational principle number one for Christ followers is look carefully how you walk. Our daily walk, our daily conduct, our day-by-day -day living is to be characterized by wisdom rather than foolishness. The moment we became Christ followers through faith in Jesus Christ, at that moment, 
we were blessed with God's wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, we read, We are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. The moment we were saved, we were blessed with God's wisdom. And therefore, from the moment we were saved, we become responsible for how we live, our daily walk, our daily conduct, our day-by-day living. And even though we are blessed at the moment of salvation with God's wisdom, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.15 that the sacred writings are able to make us wise. Therefore, to the degree that we invest time in God's word, to that degree we will grow in godly wisdom. And I pray and trust that each and every one of us as Christ followers will be committed to embracing and obeying the word of God each day. When I was in Bible college, we had what was called Christian service. And my Christian service was working with a number of uh, young men from the inner city. One of my friends had a Christian service that took him to the state hospital in Columbia, South Carolina. One day he invited me to go with him to this state hospital for his Christian service. And what I saw that night when I went with my friend is something that I will never forget. We entered the state hospital and a nurse, a male nurse, took us to a gymnasium. And the gymnasium had wrestling mats that covered the floor. The nurse took us on a a brief tour through that gymnasium where we saw person upon person lying on these wrestling mats. And as we walked around the gymnasium together, he would stop and he would say, this person is 18 years old and and the person was only a a foot and a half or two feet uh, in length. And we would go to another section and he said, this person is 38 years old and this person was about three feet uh, in height. And as I, as I saw that, it made an impression upon me. But it also was a wake-up call where I asked myself, if I were to see my spiritual condition, I wonder what I would look like. I'd been a believer by that time around 10 years. And I thought, what, what would I look like? Maybe I would look like an infant in my spiritual walk. And now, uh, some 64 years later, uh, following my salvation, I, I still ask that question. What would I look like? If I were to see myself, spiritually speaking, would I still look like an infant? And that has always been a challenge to me and a wake-up call in my own heart. The importance of embracing the word of God and responding obediently to the word of God, which is not something I've always done. 
Continuing in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, Paul urges us to be making the best use of our time because the days are evil. As I prepared for this message, uh, I learned something that I had not known before. When Paul speaks of time here, he is not referring to clock time. He is not referring to time that is measured by hours and minutes and seconds. Rather, the idea here is that of a time as an allocated or fixed period. And God only knows, but he not only knows, but he has also established both the beginning and the end of our time here on planet Earth. As Christ followers, we can achieve our full potential in God's service only as we maximize the time that he has entrusted to us. And we don't know what that time is. We have no way of knowing, but God knows. And we are to maximize that time for his glory. We are to be making the best use of our time, not only because our days are numbered, but also because the days are evil. Now, Paul wrote this to the Ephesian believers. The Ephesian believers, back when Paul wrote this letter, uh, lived in very, very evil times. Uh, within 100 years after Paul wrote this letter, Rome was persecuting the Ephesian Christians with growing intensity. Christ followers were burned alive. They were thrown to wild beasts and they were brutalized in countless ways. And if Paul writes to the Ephesian believers way back then, emphasizing that uh, we live in evil times and we need to live with urgency because of the evil times in which we live, how much more do these words apply to you and me today? Now, our days are evil. They're very different from what the Ephesian believers experienced. But we live in evil times which are more subtle, but still very evil. And we need to live with a sense of urgency, realizing that our days are numbered, that God has given us an allocated time to live on planet Earth for his glory. There are people all around us who so desperately need him. We need to be attentive to that. We, as you, most of you know, uh, we had the privilege of serving here. Well, we had the privilege of serving in Spain for 11 years, and then we came to Seneca Community. And we were here 20 plus years. And then we went to Syracuse uh, for about four and a half years. And uh, Keith came and visited one day, and I asked Keith a question, and he gave me an honest answer. And uh, I, to this day, I'm grateful for that conversation because I, I, had, I had a heart issue going on that I really was somewhat aware of, but not to the degree that I, that I had a heart issue, a sin issue in my heart. And so that conversation was uh, very instrumental in helping me understand that I need to get things right with God. 
and with some people, which Hope and I did. So following Syracuse, uh, we went into a ministry called Interim Pastor Ministries. Uh, you all know that Pastor Lynn Kent, who was here, he was with Interim Pastor Ministries. And we served with uh, IPM in South Michigan, North Central Wisconsin. Uh, it was not the end of the world, but you could see it from there. And, and then we were in Corning, New York. And uh, since 2020, uh, Hope and I have had the privilege of serving in a funeral home in Corning, uh, the Hoy Funeral Home in Corning. Uh, Hope is uh, uh, both um, receptionist and administrator, and I am chaplain to the staff and to families that come in, and concierge, which is just a fancy name for, hey, Len, we need the garbage taken out. Hey, Len, could you shovel the sidewalks? Hey, Len, could you do this or that? which uh, we both love what we're doing. And last year, in 2021, Hoy Funeral Home ministered to 123 families who had lost loved ones. And we're just one of four funeral homes in Corning, New York. Many of those people uh, who came into our lives were without Christ and without hope. Last January, I, I know every one of you, is, uh, are, all of you are going to remember exactly what I said a year ago. Uh, we were in Luke chapter 15. And as we looked at Luke chapter 15 together, we were reminded of the fact that lost people matter to God. And lost people should matter to you and to me. And I shared with you at that time this is not original. This is from Ron Hutchcraft. Uh, I don't know how many of you have the opportunity of listening to Ron Hutchcraft, a word with you. Uh, he can say in five minutes what it takes most of us to say in 40 or 45 minutes. But he shared one day uh, what he calls the three open prayer. And I uh, shared that w uh, with, with you last January. The three open prayer. Lord, open a door. Lord, open their hearts. Lord, open their mouth, open my mouth. And I have to admit, at first, I, I, was, I was very uh, hesitant to pray that prayer because God just might answer it. And uh, over, over the course of time, uh, I have begun to faithfully pray that prayer. Lord, open a door. Lord, open their hearts. Lord, open my mouth. Now, what do you think is the most difficult part of that prayer? Opening my mouth when I should. And so I also shared uh, a year ago when we were here, well, if I open my mouth, what am I to say? We, we don't have to be a theologian. Uh, we can share our story. Just tell our story. Or as we used to say in the past, that share your testimony. Share your testimony. Share your story. Tell about your life before Christ appropriately and in good taste. Tell about your life before Christ. Tell about the turning point, the day Christ came into our lives. And then share what he has done in our lives since that time. We can all do that. If we know Jesus, we can do that. 
And so I want to encourage all of us, myself included, to faithfully, consistently pray the three open prayer. Lord, open a door. Lord, open their hearts. Lord, open my mouth. And then tell our story. People, we are surrounded by people who need to know Jesus. Foundational biblical principle number one for all Christ followers, look carefully how you walk. Foundational biblical principle number two is set forth in verse 17, which I'd like to read once again. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Foundational biblical principle number two for all Christ followers, understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul repeats and reinforces his previous plea. In light of the fact that our days are numbered, in light of the fact that our days are evil, Paul urges us, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. To understand what the will of the Lord is, we must understand God's word, the Bible. The Bible, God's word, reveals God's will. God's will focuses, first of all, according to 2 Peter 3.9, on salvation. In 2 Peter 3.9, we read, The Lord is not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This verse emphasizes the critical importance of not only acknowledging Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, but also the critical importance of sharing with him with those who do not yet know him. I don't want to assume, but I probably pretty accurately thinking that if you've taken the time to come here this morning with below zero temps uh, and worship with God's people, that you know him as your Savior and Lord. I, I pray and trust that is a fact. But if, if you're not certain, then I encourage you to speak with someone with whom you have a relationship and confidence and, and acknowledge Jesus as your Savior and Lord. God's will focuses, secondly, according to 1 Thessalonians 4.3, on sanctification. In 1 Thessalonians 4.3, we read, This is the will of God, your sanctification. That's just a long, fancy theological term for uh, becoming increasingly more and more like our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. That is what it means. To be sanctified is to become more and more like Jesus. Foundational biblical principle number one for all Christ followers, look carefully how you walk. Foundational biblical principle number two for all Christ followers, understand what the will of the Lord is is foundational biblical principle number three for all christ followers is set forth in verse 18 which reads and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit foundational biblical principle number three for all christ followers is be filled with the spirit now this is a command and since we are commanded to be filled with the spirit we must understand what it means. Now, with no desire whatsoever of getting too technical, the phrase, be filled with the Spirit, is what is referred to as the 
present passive imperative of the Greek word plerao, and this phrase is best rendered, be being filled, be being kept filled. This speaks of continuous action, of something that should be taking place as a moment-by-moment basis. And this command, be being filled with the Spirit, be being kept filled with the Spirit, is not an option. It is, and I'm going to use a word that perhaps isn't too popular these days, it is a mandate. It, It is a command. It is something that we are to embrace and not to ignore. As Christ's followers, it is impossible for us to fulfill God's will for our lives apart from being filled with the Spirit. If we do not obey this command, we cannot obey any other. Because it is impossible to do any of God's will apart from the continuous filling of his Holy Spirit. Apart from the command for unbelievers to trust in Christ for salvation, there is probably no more practical and necessary scripture in all the word of God for believers, for Christ followers, than this one sentence here. Be being filled with the Spirit. Be being kept filled with the Spirit. The the filling of the Spirit is entirely the work of the Spirit himself. But he fills us through our willing submission. Now, the filling of the the Spirit has been described and explained several ways, all of which have very rich meaning. Plorao, be being filled or be being kept filled, first of all, describes the pressure of wind filling a ship sail and moving the ship across the water. This parallels the Spirit's leading in our own lives, where the Holy Spirit fills us and takes us down the course through the journey that we are to walk. And he does this very graciously, and that is the pressure that he applies in our lives, just as the wind. Secondly, plerao, be being filled, be being kept filled, carries the idea of permeation. The, uh, the best illustration I could think about uh, when it comes to permeation is Alka-Seltzer. Uh, the pain reliever Alka-Seltzer. And I, I debated bringing it, but um, I, I didn't. <laughs> uh, say I had a glass of water here and two tablets of Alka-Seltzer. You drop those two tablets into the water, and what happens? They disappear, don't they? The, 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 the two tablets turn to bubbles, and you see these little bubbles and the, the taste permeates the entire glass. That is what the Holy Spirit of God does. It speaks of permeation. It speaks of the Holy Spirit so permeating our lives that the things that we say and do and think reflect his presence and power in our lives. Thirdly, plerao, be being filled, be being kept filled, connotes total control. The idea is that of being totally dominated and totally controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. 
And the Christ follower who is being filled, being kept filled with the Spirit can be compared, I believe, to a baseball glove. Um, some of you may remember this baseball glove. We used to play, play ball together with this. Uh, I purchased this, I, boy, I saved for quite a while. I purchased this glove in 1964, and um, uh, it's been repaired a few times uh, since that. But you know, this baseball glove, for the most part, sits on my desk in our home, just, just sits there. Sits there with a ball in it. I didn't bring the ball because I don't trust myself. But this, this glove does nothing. It's, it's, it's powerless just sitting there on my desk. What's it take to make this glove accomplish its purpose? Putting a hand inside the glove. Now there was a time that the, the a purpose of this glove accomplished a whole lot more than it does today. But the purpose of this glove is to catch balls. And the only way it can do that is if the hand is in the glove. Otherwise, it is powerless. And the same is true of us, the Holy Spirit. We are powerless apart from his filling us and accomplishing his purposes in and through us. Now we can be certain that since God commands us to being filled with the Spirit, be being kept filled with the Spirit, he will provide us with all we need to obey his command. It is our Lord's desire that we be filled with his spirit. And so being filled with the spirit, being kept filled with the spirit involves a number of things. Uh, as I prepared, prayed and prepared for this morning, these were the things that the Lord put on my heart to share with you. Being filled with the spirit involves being attentive and sensitive to his presence in our lives, realizing that he is present. Secondly, keeping short accounts with him, um, just conversing with him, listening to him, keeping short accounts with him throughout the day. Being filled with the spirit also involves living in the consciousness of the personal presence of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. It is as if he were, we were standing next to one another. And the fact is, we are. We are next to one another and letting him totally and unconditionally control our lives. Being filled with the Spirit involves allowing the Word of God to so permeate our lives that God's thoughts will be our thoughts. His standards, our standards. His work, our work and his will, our will. Being filled with the Spirit also involves confessing known sin. And the Holy Spirit of God is very good at showing us the sin in our lives. And sometimes, as I shared earlier, sometimes he uses people to help us see that. But when we recognize sin in our lives, we need to confess it. Now, this does not mean that we get into some state of morbid introspection and try to figure out all the bad things we've done and so on and so forth. The Holy Spirit of God is very good at bringing to us 
the things we need to confess. And when we do that, we can be filled with his spirit. Being filled with the spirit involves surrendering all we are and all we have to him and to him alone. Our will, our body, our time, our possessions, our desires, everything. All we are and all we have to him and to him alone. To the degree that we die to self, to that degree the Lord is able to fill us with his spirit. I believe the person who expresses this the best is John the baptizer. In John chapter 3 verse 30 he says, he must increase but I must decrease. Please notice with me the fruit of being filled with his spirit as Paul sets it forth in verses 19 through 21. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The fruit or the results of being filled with the Spirit, being kept filled with the Spirit, set forth by Paul, may be briefly summarized, I believe, with the God-honoring characteristics of joy, often expressed in singing, thanksgiving, giving thanks always and for everything, submission, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And to the degree that I am filled, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, to that degree, I will be characterized by joy. And a definition I, I read years back, which really resonates with me, joy is the settled conviction that God controls every detail of my life for my good and for his glory. That's a beautiful definition. The settled conviction that God controls every detail of my life for my good and for his glory. That is joy. Secondly, thanksgiving always and for everything. And then submission. Submission is a humility that seeks the welfare of others before my own. And that refuses to be in conflict, whether in my home, my church, or my work. As we conclude, let's uh, prayerfully and carefully consider what may be referred to as today's takeaway or making it personal. How can you and I, how can we be increasingly committed to these three foundational biblical principles? To looking carefully how we walk, to understanding what the will of the Lord is, to being filled, being be kept filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I read an illustration years back that I'd like to share with you at this time. I've uh, taken excerpts from it and adapted it, and it, uh, what I've written reads as follows. During an airplane, airplane flight, there is constant communication that involves our aircraft. The aircraft controller clears our pilot for takeoff and later at another airport they will clear him for landing. They stay in touch the whole time from the time of takeoff to the time of landing. There is more to the flight than just the beginning and the end. 
The pilot needs to know if there are other planes nearby or if there is bad weather that demands a change of plans. It's good the pilot doesn't turn off communication with the tower after he takes off. As we have considered together this morning, the word of God instructs us in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the spirit, to being kept filled with the spirit. This verse is speaking of uh, what we could refer to as the internal guidance system that God has provided for us, the Holy Spirit of God. And it is extremely important that we keep in touch with the tower. It is extremely important that we are attentive to the Holy Spirit of God, not just at the beginning of the day and then at the end of the day, but throughout the day. Keeping in touch with the tower. Now, we're busy people. All of us are busy people. And there's a problem with us busy people. Sometimes we take off in the morning and we go through the day and we make a hundred apparently seemingly small decisions. And as a result, uh, we end up getting off course. We end up crashing into other people. We end up uh, doing a lot of things that we would not otherwise do if we were to keep in touch with the Holy Spirit of God. Just as a pilot needs to keep in touch with the tower, we need to keep in constant communication with the Holy Spirit of God. This can help us avoid making unnecessary mistakes as we follow the Spirit's direction. In Acts chapter 10, we read how Peter turned a deaf ear to the promptings of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is prompting Peter to share the gospel with Gentiles, with non-Jewish people. And Peter is having nothing of it. He wants to hear nothing of it. He was committed to Jewish people. He despised non-Jewish people. And he was not going to share the gospel with them. But God met Peter where he was in order to take him where he needed to go. But in the course of this interaction, Peter puts two words together in the same sentence. Two words that should never be from our lips. He said, Lord, no. And I know there have been times in my life where I've said, Lord, no. And in that moment, I quenched, I grieved the Holy Spirit of God. At that moment, I said yes to sin rather than yes to the Lord. And so God graciously met Peter where he was in order to take him where he needed to go. And God does that for you and for me as well. If we want the safest route to the best destination, we must avoid saying no, Lord. And we must keep our headset on from takeoff to landing every day. We must stay in touch with the tower. And as we do, we will be characterized by these biblical principles for all Christ followers. We will look carefully how we walk, 
we will understand what the will of the Lord is, and we will be filled with his spirit. Let's pray together, please. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege of opening your word together this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would take your word and apply it to each and every one of us as we need it, that we would embrace it and respond in obedience to it. We thank you for how you meet us where we are to take us where we need to go. We thank you that you love us enough, that you care about us enough, that you do that, and that you never give up on us. Thank you for not giving up on Peter. Thank you for not giving up on us. And may we embrace your truths, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.